You're listening to the Deep Dive with Jason Sarney, a Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. Everybody. Jason Sarney here with the Fin Addicts Network, and I got a terrific show here. I'd like to welcome all of you uh, to join us and Brian Byrne and Dougley Do Wrong. So, welcome, gentlemen, and we'll start with the mayor of YouTubeville, Dougley Do Wrong. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Uh, I, like, I like the title, well, the mayor of YouTubeville. I appreciate that. <laughs> you got my vote anytime, and godfather of the dad joke and the Fin Addict Network, BB. Brian Byrne, how you doing, kid? Dude, I'm really good. Thanks for letting me come and be the executive producer of the Deep Dive. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun. You sign the checks, you pay the bills, you're the boss. So uh, <laughs> we will allow it. So before we do the deep dive, gentlemen, just want to you know do the Fanatic Network kind of you know where to find us, and we'll allow, of course, DDW to do the same before we go all into this. So you can find us on Apple, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. You know, make sure you're doing, uh, checking in with Savak, and make sure you're going to check in with Brian's show with Jimmy Kearns. He's got some betting shows coming up, and obviously, if you have any phone ability to give us a call and leave us a message, ask a question. The Fanatics hotline is 786-309-7558. So DDW, what is going on in your world? Not much, man. You know, training camp somewhat started. Um, I made a video late last night, essentially talking about the press conference with Fitz, McCain, and Jesse Davis, and kind of noticed that in there, training camp kind of started. They're kind of going through run through. So other than that, not really much, you know, just doing the YouTube stuff, trying to branch out, doing stuff like this. So just having fun, enjoying it and hoping and praying to whoever's up above that we get some football in September. Here you're there with you there and you, you really do a terrific job. So uh, if anyone out there has not checked out Dougley's show, please do. Uh, excellent stuff. He's had great guests. So with that said, let us do this deep dive. So Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, we're not going to spend so much time on this special team unit of building the 53-man roster, and that's got an asterisk to it because, you know, you got that special team. I'm sorry, that uh, practice squad as well as 55-man. You can bring two players up. So We'll try to stick with that 53-man theme, and then we'll get to the other two for week one at the end. So, Brian, how do you see the special teams unit shaping up? Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. You know, I don't even think we have competition for Sanders and Hack this year. So, uh, they're locked in. Uh, Blake Ferguson was absolutely locked in as our long snapper until he got COVID. Um, and we, I, forget, I didn't even get the guy's name out of Virginia Tech. I know we signed a long snapper yesterday. But I, I would still give Blake Ferguson probably the edge over everyone else and invest a six-round pick in him. Pretty straightforward on the special teams. Very straightforward. You know, got a good kicking unit. You know, there may be some uh, competition, as you said, with that long snapper situation with, of course, rookie Blake Ferguson having, you know, that COVID designation. Yeah, and, you know, going a little bit backdated, guys, you know, if you don't mind, you know, there has been news. There has been some COVID opt-outs. You know, you bring a good point, Brian. The Dolphins have had uh, situations recently with Jerome Baker, Zach Seiler put on the list recently. Now, you know, C.J. Mosley was said. A lot of AFC East affecting these teams as the Jets, the Patriots. But uh, what do you guys think is going on in terms of what the Dolphins are doing and handling their situations? And uh, we'll start with you, Doug. Um, I, I love what they're doing. Uh, if you guys remember, the Dolphin – Hard Rock Stadium was the first stadium to be cleared as, like, one of the COVID safe uh, places they started showing movies and stuff there you know Stephen Ross was above and beyond ahead of every other team when it came to that so I feel like that's a lot of the reason why these players aren't opting out is because like Fitz said like Bobby said like Jesse Davis said they came in and they felt incredibly safe coming in and practicing and being in this facility because of how advanced they are in that situation um, but when it comes to opt-outs Hey, even the Buffalo Bills, I think they had one of their defensive ends opt out. You know, the, the Dolphins are the only AFC East team that hasn't had an opt out yet. Oh, wish I had that. This isn't wood. This is like polycarbonated stuff. But I really, um, I really hope that 
we it stays that way but then mm-hmm. you got to think about this right say the Dolphins don't have an opt-out you know Patriots have seven I think the Jets have like one or two Bills have one or two say the Dolphins win the division you know for a fact these Patriot fans and all these other ones are going to be like well that's because we had opt-outs so I, I see it happening but I you know I, I you know I hope things keep staying in that trend where the Dolphins you know stay safe they they you know, self-quarantine themselves. They make their own little bubble because I know that the NFL isn't doing the bubble thing, which they should because every other sport is doing really well with their whole bubble thing. Right. But just stick with it. Stick with what you're doing. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Wash your hands. I love it. And you know what? You see this. And before we bring Brian in on that, you know, the Dolphins have done, as you mentioned, terrific job. You see videos of Christian Wilkins walking into the building through Dolphins social media. And lo and behold, the door's open. So people aren't, you know, having to push the door open. And there's hand sanitizer right there. And, you know, it's just everyone's just complying. So whatever it is, you're complying, and I like it. And, Brian, what are your thoughts on everything? And, uh, you know, how do you uh, basically foresee the next couple of weeks kind of playing out here? Yeah, I mean, we've been definitely really lucky with the no opt-outs. I think that has a bit to do with, ro- with roster construction. I think we have a lot of younger uh, really hungry guys that aren't as established as, you know, like some of the people that have taken hits in New England, like Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower and now CJ Mosley with the Jets. Um, but yeah, at, like Doug touched on, it's a first class facility with a first class ownership. And I think the safety that they've, you know, instilled in these guys has really, you know, helped facilitate that. That being said, you know, this story doesn't end at opt outs because re- regardless if, if 10 people opt out or no people opt out, the roster is going to flip left and right because of COVID, you know, and we're going to really get to, you know, like we're going to go deep dive into the roster today, the 80 people that get invited to camp. There's a good chance we see all 80 people on the field at some point this year, because, and if it's not these 27 guys that get cut, come back, it will probably be others because there's going to be a lot of fluctuation we're going to see guys we might never see again. You know, we might see, there might be weeks where we have entire offensive lines that isn't our normal starters, you know? Um, And I'm definitely looking at those position groups that are really close, the D line, the linebackers, the, the O line as kind of the most susceptible to this because of how close quarters they always are and how many people are in their team meetings and things like that is going to make it harder. Um, But it's a crazy world. We all just got to figure it out on a day-to-day basis. Well said. And if we can just dive right into the position groups within the units, uh, you know, we'll go with defense to start. And, you know, you mentioned, and Doug, you know, when we were discussing on your show a week or so back, we focused on defensive line. And Brian, to piggyback off of your point, that, uh, you know, is a trench position where, you know, you're, you're literally elbow to elbow, shoulder pad to shoulder pad. So I think you got to circle depth as the key element for defensive line, a lot of, when you look at the defensive ends, when you look at the nose tackles, the defensive tackles, there were a lot of rookies. There were people brought in to play the outside like an Agba and a Shaq Lawson. So it is paramount to get a good amount of bodies on this team, even if it means maybe carrying a, a smaller amount of, you know, wide receivers or a smaller amount of linebackers. That is a huge position group defensive line for this defense to work. So Doug, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, we don't have to necessarily name everyone who we like. We obviously know who's making this team from the top heavy aspects of it, but let's focus on some of these rookies. Let's focus on some of these undrafted guys. Do you think anyone's on a bubble to not make it? I mean, look, we, we mentioned Styler has the COVID situation. Let's kind of leave him on that list of COVID IR for now, you know, those protected guys. So other than him, what are we looking at here? It's funny, too, because, you know, you look at the D-line, and they brought in a lot of talent on that D-line. And I say it as a Dolphin fan, but if you're, like, a Texans fan looking at the Dolphin team, you're, like, there's a bunch of nobodies, you know. Shaq Lawson, Agba, yeah, they had about five and a half sacks each. Whoop-de-doo. Christian Wilkins. Uh, you know, it's at, because I'm a Dolphin fan, I have in-depth study on all of our players, so <laughs> I think it's talent. But you look at Curtis Weaver, you look at Strawbridge, right? These guys should have been third-round picks. We got them in the fifth. 
Those guys are super talented. You look at Raekwon Davis. Like, this guy is just a beast up the middle. And even um, Nick Saban came out and he said, you need to get this guy more snaps. The more snaps you get out of him, the more production you'll get out of him. He was – I'm wondering, you know, what type of position he was in with those last two years in Alabama – but, you know, with, for Saban to come out and say that and to see the excitement from Brian Flores, it's, you know, I'm really excited for that. And then we have those young guys. We have undrafted guys. But, like, Zyler is a guy that I was very excited when we got. And, that, you know, him being on the list doesn't necessarily mean he'll be on there for a while because there was a defensive tackle that was on the list and then the next day they took him off. It's more precautionary. I'm really interested to see what Zyler, Strawbridge, Davis, um, and Weaver, all these young guys can do because, like, like uh, Brian was saying, it's the depth. You know, you got these big guys, you got these, and and that's a lot of times that COVID hits the hardest is the bigger people, the bigger, heavy, you know, heavier guys. That's why if you notice a lot of the guys that are, you know, opting out are offensive linemen, defensive right. linemen. Um, so to have that depth, to have those young guys, that's what Brian Flores did this offseason. He didn't do the sexy picks. You know, we got a few with, you know, Igbenogany and um, – Tua, obviously, right. but he he wants to build that trench so that God forbid someone does get injured, you just plug someone else in, or you have that rotation on the defensive line, and it's just constantly fresh pressure on the opposing quarterback. And I I think that the youth on this team right now is really going to propel this team to the next level. It's a youth movement. Uh, I've been preaching that for a while, and that's why you know err on the side of potential and youth as opposed to what we've seen on the field and contract and years. So Brian, you know, if you can highlight any individual, you know, you know, agree with, with Doug and he's saying we stole Dolphins stole in the draft, some high quality day two talent, you know, and that's just in the fourth, fifth, that was all day. The fifth round obviously went to for Brita, but you know what I mean? So Brian dissecting a bit more on that defensive line and to piggyback on your point, anyone at risk or who's key on this position group? Yeah, I went, you know, we, we're living in a really world training, really weird training camp world, right? We would get a lot more clarity tomorrow if this was a normal season, where these guys are lining up. There's so much, um, there's so much flexibility with these guys. Like, like are we going to be base 3-4? Are we going to be, are these guys going to be at outside linebacker or DN? So, like, I really want to get that first padded practice to get a better idea of, you know, like um, Omar Kelly reported that, that Weaver looks more like a defensive end in a three, four than he does an outside linebacker. He's just got huge trunks. So like, I really want to get some clarity on where these guys are lining up. I think one of the, I think we can pretty much lock them in. I'm really looking at Raekwon Davis. I like that Doug brought on that. He was one of my favorite draft picks. Um, Dolphins Twitter went nuts that we didn't get JK Dobbins, mm -hmm. but uh, I was glad that we got the, you know, we were 30th against the run last year. So Raekwon Davis is a mean run stuffing D tackle that, you know, in his, the year they won the national championship, he also rushed the passer with eight and a half sacks. So he has that ability. I can't wait to see him. I think where it's going to come down to like the, the bubble guys are probably Siler versus Benito Jones. Yep. It's going to be a, a good competition there. Um, but a lot's going to be, it's, it's a lot's going to come out of where these guys are actually lining up. Um, how often our base defense is in there, how, you know, like what looks we're giving um, because you know, between the D line, you know, like in linebackers, you pretty much have Gauchow, Wilkins, and Davis as like locked middle guys. Then everyone else can line up anywhere else in that line. So um, we'll have to see. But yeah, I think that's the position battle to watch right now for the roster bubble spot. Love it. Uh, you know, you mentioned Benito. Um, I'm going to throw in, you know, a guy that, you know, we've mentioned before, Doug. Brian, I know you know Tyshawn Render. This is going to be an interesting guy, too, because he's getting paid you know, good money for someone who was an undrafted free agent. He obviously has the eye of some other coach who's got a couple of rings in Bill Belichick. So if he does not make a roster and if he's kind of wavering out there, he's going to be picked up by somebody. So I think that Render is a guy that you got to kind of say it's his job to lose. Like if he loses the ability to make this roster, it's kind of on him, you know, but he has all the talent in the world to make the roster. Benito Jones is a guy who I think might be, I'll use a relative term here, Brian, practice squad safe you think he could be a guy who the Dolphins think you know what maybe not a 53 maybe he's 55 maybe he's 57 you think that he can get scooped up 
Yeah, I, would let, I mean, you have to see what he does in, in camp before we know that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think we talked about this earlier in the week. I think when it's going to come down to it, um, Flores is probably going to err on the side of potential and look at guys like Jones and Render over a guy like Siler if it's close because Siler has been in the league for a few more years um, and we've kind of seen where he can cap out. He did have the one great game last year, um, but then he kind of went invisible too. So he, he flashed some good tape. Um, but I, I definitely think that we'll err on that side of youth. And, uh, you know, we have pretty much the youngest team in, in the league. So it's going to give a heads up to guys like Render and Jones. I liked your call on, on Render. I forgot about him briefly there. And, you know, he's definitely was the undrafted free agent that we targeted. So he's going to definitely have a leg up over some of the vets. Yeah, I mean, that's just the general theme. And, uh, you know, Doug, for any last, you know, additions on that position group in the defensive line, and just let me just add, you know, I'm, I am so on board with Rayquan Davis with you and so excited with you, uh, both of you guys. You know, I think literally, and, and I'm not the only one, you, we, we are not the only three, everyone's circling that, that guy as, as a potential key. So any last thoughts on the defensive line? I think that this, this unit is probably the most improved uh, of all the units. Yes, you know, we'll get to secondary, but yes, I, I, th- I honestly do because it – we got we were bottom in the league with 23 sacks. Mm-hmm. We bring in Agba and uh, Lawson, who had 12 sacks between the two of them on a limited basis. So you know we bring in two guys that was half the team's sacks last year. Could not stop the run if our lives depended on it. So what does Brian Flores, Chris Greer go and do? They get guys that can set the edge, and they get the big guys up the middle that can stop the run. So I'm very I'm very excited for this defensive line. I'm hoping they play like I'm imagining, because if they do, the secondary and the linebackers are just going to have a feeding day. And it's just it's going to be awesome to see this defense go from 30th rank to hopefully I'm going to be, you know, cautious, let's say 15th rank. I'd be ecstatic for that. You're, you're, you're doubling your worth, essentially, in that regard. And, you know, there's only really one way to go from the Dolphins' rankings in all aspects of the team. We all know that. It's the extent of it. You know, there's that depth battle you know guys like a ray smith you know we obviously have the brazilian import you know neto so i don't know how valid those guys are to make this team but there is depth there was terrific rookies and this defensive line there's a lot of cliches in football guys one of my favorites is you build from the inside out and lo and behold we're talking about defensive line and when we go to offense we're going to really really take wild guesses and scrutinize the offensive line i I can't wait and I'm nervous for that. But moving backwards, we'll just go out. You build from the line out. So let's talk about the middle unit, the linebackers, which is a, for lack of a better term, a fun unit to discuss. And we'll start with our prestigious guest, DDW number 18, as you see over his shoulder, (laughs) which we've already established is one of my favorite numbers across from my other favorite number 13, quarterback with the best right arm that's ever been on a football field sir i digress (laughs) we'll go into the linebackers what are your thoughts on the linebackers regardless of sets three four four three amoeba spaghetti on a plate regardless of what it is give us your linebacker assessment (laughs) i like the spaghetti on the plate took it from i think james lofton (laughs) gotta give credit where credit's due (laughs) um this is the first time and i can't remember when that i'm very excited and comfortable for our linebacking core. I may be a little too optimistic with this one, and it might come out and shoot myself in the foot with this one, but it's been, us being Dolphin fans, how long have we been praying for a good linebacking core? You know, at some point we had Kevin Burnett, ripping in Darnell Ellerby, and just poop on poop on poop. You know, Zach Thomas Jr. That those were the times where we were like, we could stop the run. We can actually do something with our linebacking core. And then for like about a decade, we had just nothing at linebacker core. It was always just up, missed tackle, up, missed tackle, blown coverage. Come on, you're not in the right spot. Now we got Jerome Baker, speedy guy, can play sideline to sideline, can be a QB spy. We see what he could do when he blitzes. We're bringing Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots, a very smart linebacker, going to be the, 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 the brains of this linebacking core. Vince Beagle. The guy was leading the team last year, a horrible team in quarterback hits, tied for tackles for loss. Sam McGuavin, a guy we get for the Canadian Football League, 
comes out and has a very good preseason, tends to disappear during the season, but towards the end, getting his thing. Ginkle, a high draft pick of ours, you know, I think third round, fourth round draft pick of ours. Guy came in off of the IR, started to produce. You know, we have this, and then you got um, Raquan McMillan, one of the top-ranked run-stopping linebackers in the NFL. And that's just like projected starters. You got Gruger Hill. You got uh, Roberts. You know, the, the, for the first time, I'm looking at this linebacker core, and I'm like, who's going to get cut? Mm. Like, who's not going to make the team? Because I, I doubt they're going to run with, like, eight linebackers, even though they're, you know, are they going to run a 4-3, 5-2, you know, 3-4 roaming? Like, what are they going to run? But for the first time in a very long time, I look at this linebacker core, and I could take a deep breath and say, all right, this is good. We, we, we got something here. So I'm excited. I'm very excited for the linebacker core. Definitely have something. There's speed. There's, you mentioned, pass rushing ability by a Beagle. Beagle showed the ability to play inside, to play outside. So even if it's the depth and just saying, all right, you know what, it's second and eight, but you know what, Beagle, you know, take a blow. We're going to have to get Raekwon McMillan in there. We're going to have to just kind of do this rotation. You know, Gruger Hill, Landon Roberts. And then we're not even talking about the incumbent, or you just mentioned him in Baker, but now with him being on the list, Brian, you know, we get the ability to hear more to, you know, hear about those free agents, you know, and obviously we know Van Noy. You know what you're going to get with the Van Noy. But now it's, you know, can Andrew Van Ginkle repeat his last five, you know, played five, six games last year after the foot injury. Can Beagle build, you know, he's going into his fourth year, you know, Bryce. So what are your thoughts to piggyback off of Doug's thoughts on those linebackers, the depth? Who, who, who's the odd man out, you know? Yeah, that I can't figure out. I actually posted that in a poll last week because – you know, you got to look at it and it, where did they make room for Sam McGuavin? But based on his play last year, it'd be really, that would be a really difficult cut. You know, I mean, he's not a Pro Bowl caliber player, but he is a really solid guy. You want in your locker room that you want it on, on the field. Um, but there's just, there's so much depth. They, they brought in the two guys, Roberts, um, or three guys, I'm sorry, Ben Noy, Roberts, and uh, I can't say the other guy's name, Gruger, we'll call him Hill, who has a lot of speed. Uh, you know, I'm very excited about this unit. I think it's completely morphed into something uh, great. I think there's going to be so much flexibility of guys playing outside linebacker and switching to D end and, you know, guys playing in the middle and switching outside. I think, you know, like what Flores is searching for is that completely dynamic defense that he ran in, in New England. And he just didn't have the guys to run it last year, but um, you know, he's really rounded out this, this linebacking core with a lot of talent and you, there you, you know, it, we can't say middle linebacker is going to be these three guys because that's not what this team's going to look like. Um, but, yeah, I have no idea who you cut off this off this core. I'm very excited about it. But, you know, um, Doug brought up that we haven't had the great linebacking in a long time in Miami. But I think it started with what we started to build on. The first thing that we covered was the DN. You know, when we had great linebackers, we had Daryl Gardner and Tim Bowens, mm -hmm. you know. Um, now with Davis and Wilkins being first and second round picks in consecutive years, we already have Godshaw there um, bringing in. I liked what you said about Agba and um, um, why am I losing the name right now? Uh, our other signing, we, they are edge set or Lawson. I'm sorry. They're edge setters just as much as they are pass rushers. They can be both roles. And I think they more excel as edge setters than they do as, as pass rushers in that's going to make these linebackers have the ability to run free. I like Hill for that reason. If we do block it up up front with those, those big guys, you know, Hill's got the speed to go, to get all over the place. Um, I definitely want to see more out of Jerome Baker. Um, he was all over the field last year. Um, and I don't know what to criticize him because again, we didn't have those guys taking up the, the blocks, you know, uh, at the first level. So but Baker only had three and a half tackles for loss last year when he had over a hundred tackles. Um, so that needs to improve. We need to see growth out of that. We need to get McMillan on the field more often. Um, so I can't wait to see the growth and then, but I'm definitely very excited about this group. I hate to say Aguavin may, may not, may not make this team, but he has to be the vulnerable one, I think. But I have no idea who, how many they're going to keep because this isn't, this isn't a static situation where we're looking at guys at linebacker and DN. This is, well, who can play all three? Because those guys are going to get the leg up. I'm seeing like 11, 12 guys that are in camp at the linebacking position. 
So you're absolutely right. You circle, I mean, look, they brought in five free agents. You know what I mean? You know, that's an exaggeration. You know, you, you paid good money for a trio of New England-based and a little sprinkle of Gregor Hill and Philly. Money there. You know, it's funny because we, we, we all joke around and our buddy Savak, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but he put out a Twitter post saying, you know, what's the nickname for the linebacker core? And, you know, I love my nicknames, as I think you guys have all known. And I have a name that I don't love because it's like kind of insulting, but it's, it's not an insult because it's it, the expendables. So yeah. Someone's going. Mm-hmm. We love them all. They're all great. They're all individually could kind of blockbuster movie headline. You know, who doesn't want to see Andrew Van Ginkle destroy a bunch of terrorists or something in a movie? But, you know, but <laughs> he looks like he is, the is terrorist. Someone's going, <laughs> someone's going, Vince Beagle jumping out of a helicopter trying to kick butt. You know, I'll <laughs> sign me up. You got my 1250. But is Raekwon McMillan a guy who's going to be maybe someone calls up? We have a linebacker on the COVID list. We have a linebacker on injured reserve. Got a draft draft pick for him. We need someone to help stop the run. There are trade on the horizon, potentially, or, you know, do you see cuts, Doug? Uh, I see cuts, and you bringing up the trade aspect also, you know, reminisces of literally, what, two, three weeks before the season last year uh, and that blockbuster trade. Um, Yeah, you know. I could see, and I agree with Brian, and it breaks my heart because if you you know followed my channel last year, I had to learn his name, Sam McGuavin. I was pronouncing it wrong, and I loved him in training camp preseason. Uh, but the amount of talent they brought in, it's just you're gonna have to bust your hump to make this roster. And I love that aspect. Like it's not just oh we suck, so we'll take whoever. No, now you have to make the roster. And like you said, Jason, if uh, Someone calls up and they're like, hey, we'll offer you a third for um, Raquan McMillan. You might pull that trigger because I don't know if he signs a contract with another team. Say the Dolphins don't sign him. I don't know if the contract he signs with another team will be enough to get that third compensation. So you might pull the trigger on it. You know, that's a possibility. I do see at least one or two people getting traded. Who it is, I don't want to say really because it'll just piss people off. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I could see one or two people getting traded somewhat, uh, especially nowadays where, you know, you don't, you, we don't have preseason to see it. So it's like, we need talent. This is what this guy did last year. Let's try to pull the trigger on it. Right. And uh, Brian, you know, getting back to the type of player, guy who can play all three positions, you know, you, you look at a Van Noy, and one of the favorite things about a Van Noy is, you know, uh, he just says, I'm a football player, you know, and that's, that, that's the mindset. That's the Flores mindset. And not saying that any of these, uh, you know, linebackers do not have that mindset, because frankly, I don't think they'd be on the team if they don't. But there is talent. There's the ability to do certain responsibilities. So when it comes down to it, you know, and Aguavin is a, is a great story. You'd love to have him continue the run. But if there is a, an expendable, you know, it, it might be someone who, who just we've seen potentially the ceiling. It's been a fun rise and elevator Brian but you know how do we wrap up the linebacking core and what do you see fit there yeah I'm not you know and like you say we're not going to be able to see it in preseason so we're not going to see these guys roles you know shape up as as they're going to be Um, so it's all going to be behind closed doors but it's going to be a fierce competition I would say actually like McMillan may be one of the safest players on here because no one of this really deep room no one else can do what he does. There's not that big middle linebacker run stuffing guy that we will need for at least two downs. You know, um, there's not, there's no one behind him that does that. Um, so that gives him a big advantage. Um, you know, like Beagle and Van Ginkle, very similar players, Baker and Hill, um, very similar players, you know, so you know, having that one guy that just know what he does, what he does is going to give him a big heads up. But um yeah, I, you know, we're going to have to see how it shakes out. We're going to have to see where Curtis Weaver ends up. That could, if he ends up as more of an outside linebacker than a DN, that could shake up this group. So um, I, I think it's just going to behoove all these guys to be able to play in multiple roles. And it's not going to be like last year where you can just prove that you're on the field. It's like you're going to have to prove that you can play two positions um, or you're not going to have a chance. 
exactly. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a component of that. It's going to be a component of the next man up, you know, so really do what is asked of you. And that's the kind of guys that this team is bringing in, signing, and hopefully we'll be retaining when push comes to shove and we get to see what's going on in these battles. So, you know, we'll see some, we'll see some cuts on the linebacking side of things. It will be interesting. And, and Doug, you got something going there. You know, I, I really should not name people who might be treated. Don't want hate mail. Don't want the mentions blowing up. But it's a business. And the one thing I will say, just look at the guys that were treated last year. If those guys yeah. were treated, no one's safe. And with no. that said, let's go to the – I mean, look, guys, we could talk about any other position group on this team. But if you don't think that the best position group on this team is the cornerback unit – I, I don't know what to tell you because this is a top three unit of defensive backs in the league. And we all like to wear th our orange and aqua glasses, DDW. And hey, you got that LED light in the back? We go, can we go to orange if we're talking about it? L love it. <laughs> See, that's why you're you. That's why you're you. What are we going to do about this cornerback situation other than just sit back and say, wow. This is fun. I I love the cornerback position. I love that Brian Flores literally came out and said you can never have enough cornerbacks. It also kind of hints towards the type of defense he's going to be running, especially if we start to, you know, week one we're facing Cam Newton. And you saw what the San Diego Chargers in 2018's playoff run did against Lamar Jackson by having a ton of DBs on the field to make sure he's not running all over them. So – it, him saying we he you can never have enough corners kind of hints a little bit at the type of defense they're going to be running. They might run that dime set, you know, that big dime set. There's you know it throws it in there. I love the pickup of Byron Jones. I've talked about how he has shut down, you know, Michael Thomas. He had him allowed two for three catches for 21 yards. Michael Thomas, like the, the one of the best receivers in the league. You know, I've raffled down lists of him shutting down people left and right. Yes, he doesn't have the interceptions. He doesn't have the sexy picks, but that's because no one's throwing at him. Exactly. What are you, you going to do? He's going to shut your receiver down. You're not going to throw it that way. Xavier Howard, for the love of God, stay healthy and stay on the field. If not, I'm going to cry because I've banged the table for this guy constantly when people think we should trade him. He needs to stay healthy. The fact that he is on pup, I'm not worried about because he literally can come off tomorrow if he, if he needs to. What happened? Strategic pup. You're exactly. Right. It's, it's, it means nothing. It's just let's take it along slowly. Let's not push him because we've seen what happened. Tannehill never had the surgery on the knee, thought he was all right, went to stop running, boom, injured himself. Take it easy on these star guys. But again, scares the crap out of me. I'm super, super cautious with him. He needs When he's on the field, super dynamic. One of the best cornerbacks in the league. I don't care what anyone says. Noeg Benagany, 30th pick. No Dolphin in their right mind. Pl fan or anyone thought that the Dolphins were going to take a corner when they traded with the Green Bay Packers. I thought it was going to be a safety. I thought it was going to be a guard. I thought it was going to be a running back. And they take corner. And then Brian Flores, again, makes me learn another player's name that's hard to pronounce, Noah Igbenogany, but it just works because then him, Nick Needham, Tankersley, they're going to have to compete for that slot corner or potential boundary corner, depending on what happens with Xavier and Howard. But the whole secondary as a whole is a huge amalgamation because safety corner, it's like a back and forth thing with Brian Flores. He loves to just move them around. But the depth at the position, you see what Brian Flores is doing, and you, you see what this Miami Dolphin team is doing that they've never done before. Because we've always thrown, and Dominic can soon $100 million. He gets injured. We have no one behind him. We throw right. Brandon Albert $100,000. He gets injured. We have no one behind him. For the first time, the Miami Dolphins are like, look, we'll give you about $10 million, maybe $8 million a year because we need depth behind you. And it just it feels good that, uh, you know, Xavier Howard goes down. All right, cool. No, Igbenogany, you're, you're, you're the next guy up. And you're not like, oh, my God, we're screwed. You're like, all right, cool. We're, we're actually we're good in that position. So it just feels good that as a whole right now, the Dolphins are doing their thing and that the secondary just looks incredibly dangerous. Love that. You, you, you nailed the Igbenogany pronunciation. <laughs> you're also a guy who used the word amalgamation in the same paragraph. <laughs> so your vocabulary is, is Tua 
like he throws a ball, you spit words out there. So bravo to you. And being a dyslexic, that says a lot. So no, come on, <laughs> come on now, come on now. So Brian, a segue you'll never hear anywhere else. Brian, what is your take and read on uh, the next uh, groupings of fantastic cornerbacks? We've seen duos before. We've seen defensive backfields that are, you know, just a sea of just hurt. You know, whether it be pass defense, not throwing the ball to them. You, you make a great point, Doug, because if a lockdown cornerback is so good, you know what a good cornerback doesn't do? Throw towards a lockdown cornerback. So that's just ridiculous that people say no interceptions, he's not good. So, Brian, the importance of a Byron Jones on top of everything else, what's your overall take on those cornerbacks? Yeah, I, the Zavian, oh, so I'm not as carefree as Doug on Xavier Howard's pup list because I you got to break it down to one of two things is happening. Um, one, they're just being super careful with that knee. They put too much mileage on it in training camp last year, and it broke down a little bit because that's it's not a thing that's ever going to be 100% better. It's always going to be a thing where you just have to monitor and keep miles off it. So if that's the case, that's what's happening, I'm really happy with that. I say he probably comes back about eight or nine days before the season starts, you know, just don't put those miles on it. He doesn't need a long camp. He's a vet. He knows what he's doing. Um, but the other aspect of it is it's a little scary is, is this because there was a setback? You know, the procedure he had was not very intense. It was a while ago. Um, you know, Preston Williams is not on the pup list and he had an ACL um, after week eight. So if there is a setback and they're not letting that out, that's terrifying. And, I agree that it's probably 80% chance just we're taking the mileage off that knee. But the fact that that's even out there, I mean, if Howard, if Howard doesn't play very close to 16 games, you know, we're never really going to get to see that gruesome twosome that we have in Jones and Howard, because uh, I can't see them taking another year where he plays eight or nine games and being okay with that. He makes way too much money. So fingers crossed Howard gets there. And, you know, with that said, those two guys are, you know, our top four, position guys are really our top five guys are locks you know Iggy's gonna I'm gonna call him Iggy because I'm not the wordsmith that Doug is uh he's gonna be moving to that slot corner but you know like Doug said he he plays really well in the slot but he also has the frame and the technique he's a little green but he can definitely move outside and be a number two corner in this league so I love that flexibility and like how we talked about the linebackers I think the remaining guys on this roster it's going to be that you know like Nick Needham's going to need to improve in the slot um, on top of his outside play to lock down that, that next position, which I think he has the heads up on. Um, you got to think that I can't say this guy's name either, that Clayton, the safety has a good chance of making it the free agent from Cincinnati. Um, then there's going to be a battle between um, Parker, Perry, Webster. Yeah. I, I got to see Tankersley, I mean, dude's sure. going to have to ball to make a chance. He hasn't played in 28 games. Um, he's probably, you know, like if there was a wolf coming up on a herd of sheep, Tankersley's right now, like limping behind the, the herd. You know, <laughs> he's the guy that I think is easy pickings, but you never know. I mean, the dude was a, he played starting for us the first season. He looked good at times. So could he come back? But I think those last couple of positions are going to, you show yourself at nickel and safety show yourself outside and nickel are going to be the guy that sets it apart from and makes this roster. Um, it's going to be a tough, a tough group to crack because those first five to six positions are completely locked down. Absolutely. Right. Dead on, uh, you know, and uh, looking at the position as a whole, I mean, the, the group as a whole is a defensive backfield. Yes. The weak link is what's going to happen at safety. You know, you got a guy like Brandon Jones, who was drafted from Texas, who was wearing number 29. So who doesn't love that? Just just saying, kind of glad I kept the Minka jersey. Now it's just buying a nameplate purchase. Yeah, just cut the (laughs) – get a seam That's just just a Mrs. sewing job upstairs. That would be great. (laughs) I gave uh, mine to Goodwill, so I'm a little jealous. You know what? When they traded him, I needed it out of my house. I have (laughs) an attic full of Dolphin jerseys that weren't. Oh, yeah. I have and, a Chad Henney jersey. It weighs a lot more than my current uh, stack of jerseys that I represent, including the first one, gentlemen. You can see the wear. Oh, yeah. It. You know, that's, that's, that's weird. But, uh, you know, the safety group is, is tough. Yeah. If, if we're going to look at it. We need to find that next safety. Don't want to spend too, too much time as a whole because we got the offense to hit. But if you want to lump in, Doug, the safety situation, 
What are your overall assessments there? Uh, it worries me. I think it's one of the few positions we have that worries me. Um, Eric Rowe, I love him at safety. I think he did a fantastic job. He warranted getting that contract extension. Um, Brandon Jones, the new 29. I'll never have to say the other guy's name because he can kick rocks for all I care. Um, <laughs> uh, you got – I'll help out Brian. It's Fedulum. I'll tell you you pronounce his name. It's, it's, it has to be Super Swedish true. or something because it's Super like a true. weird spelling, but Fedulum. Um, I like him. He's a good – he's, he's going to be a big – think of him as Walt Aikens, right? Think of ah. him as Walt Aikens' replacement. Huge special teamer. He's going to be it. cracking people left and right on, on returns. It. Love Fedulum. Bobby McCain. Now, I love Bobby McCain as a Dolphin. I love Bobby McCain as a player. Bobby McCain as a safety, I'm still uh, about it, you know? I, that's, I like what Brian Flores does. A lot of people like to say that I'm, you know, too positive and I'm a fence hopper where I stay in the middle of everything. Brian Flores taking Bobby McCain and putting him at safety is probably the only thing that man has done that I was like, what are you doing, dude? Just leave him at slot corner, get a safety. Um, I didn't like moving him at safety. I, I would have preferred them leaving Bobby McCain at slot. He needs to prove to me this year that he can play better at safety. He played all right at safety while he was playing last season. But I think safety, besides Eric Rowe, it, it worries me a little bit. Uh, but that's just because I need to see more out of Bobby. Um, but then you never know. Brandon Jones being, you know, once being healthy and doing his thing, maybe he pushes Bobby out of that starting position. And all of a sudden that 29 looks sexy again. And it's not a guy who in 2018 had an up and down irregular season and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I'm going to get right? in trouble. I'm going to get in you trouble. You look a little emotional. <laughs> I just don't like babies. I'm sorry. I don't like babies. Okay. Brian, we'll move to you. We'll let Doug compose. Any, any non-Minka, sorry, any non-other 29 thoughts? Yeah, with Doug on the Bobby McCain, I love, you know, you – you want Bobby McCain's on your team, right? Like you want 53 Bobby McCain's on your team. The guy is just a leader. He, he is a, he balls out, you know, he's coming with a hundred percent all the time. You, but yeah, to put him at free safety, it looked out of sorts last year, but hopefully that was smart, you know, get it, get the year of out of sorts last year off the, you know, we have to turn him into a true center fielder because he looked, he looked out of his element trying to come up and make the tackles from the safety spot. He is a good tackler at nickel, um, but it's a completely different, you know, responsibility there. Um, you know, Brandon Jones is more of an in the box safety. So I, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time on first and second down moving row to the strong safety role more and passing down to the blanket tight ends. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see how this shapes out. I hope Bobby can step up, but um, it's definitely my first priority of next year is that true free safety yeah. because we have two strong safeties that are true and not really a free safety that is. You mentioned that, like center field, you're absolutely right. So that's, you know, that's basically the defense in a nutshell, you know, going to be guys on the bubble, going to be guys, I think, on the defensive ball. If there are trades, it's going to be that side of the ball. And when it goes now flipping to the offensive side, the good news is, you know, we can talk about the quarterback situation all we want, but we don't have to because we, we, that's a, it's a conversation for another show, frankly. Oh, yeah. that's an and hour we itself. know what's going to happen. There's a good quarterback room of three people, and we don't want any more enemies, so we're going to move on. You so do you see any cuts? To... Do you see, like, are you guys with me that there's these three guys are going to ride the season? No, uh, yeah, I, see, yes, yeah. unless there's a massive extenuating circumstance that that is like, a shockwave through the NFL. Mm. Quarterback in the NFC North goes down. They give a call to Miami. What, we need a quarterback. Well, we got one that's on the market. He mm -hmm. cost us a second rounder. Pause. Yeah. yeah. So if that happens, we'll talk about it. But yes, Brian, with you. Unless you really want to go crazy about, you know, hearing what, you know, Fitz said at the press conference yesterday. He's saying all the right things and he means them. Tua is the truth in terms of player person uh publicity i mean they're all doing the right thing so let's not worry about it nope. with that said let's talk about the offensive line because that's what we have to worry about okay. and brian you're my stat guy so if i miss a number you'll know maybe you can you can fact check me if i'm wrong 
Uh, I don't think I'm wrong. They were the 32nd ranked offensive line last year. You can fact check me if need be. But pretty solid, pretty solid fact, statement across the board. Is, there, is it possible to be 33rd ranked? Yeah. <laughs> Beyond the worry is other than the statistical analysis, other than the, the old famous 1970s version of an eye test, which was worse than the statistical analysis. We don't have a continuation of group. We don't have the gel. You have two nice free agents that were brought in, Eric Flowers and Ted Karras. No complaints. I loved what they were thinking. When everyone was wondering what the Dolphins were going to do with all those first couple of top 60 picks, I just said, give me 1,000 pounds on the offensive line. I'm a happy man. And so far, those things are working. Now it's on tape. This is a position group that's going to be hurt from not having reps. This is what bothers me. We need to know where people are going to play. Austin Jackson, we, we know he's a young left tackle, right? But we need to worry about eventually the right tackle for the lefty. You know, we need to worry about the center. Who's going to play center? Jesse Davis had time at center, but really he was just covered. You know, so we don't know if he's going to be center. You know, Brian, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? And are you going to be in a optimistic glass half full or class half empty this year with the offensive line? So first thing I have to cover, and this aggravated me yesterday at the press conference, Jesse Davis played center last week in camp when only rookies and injured people were there. (laughs) He literally said in the press conference that the only reason I did it was because no one else was there. The other element of that... Yep. The other element of that is they're not in real training camp yet. They're not allowed to do football drills. The mm-hmm. only thing they're allowed to do is do walkthroughs. So he literally said he played center in a walkthrough because no other center was there. He then later told that center is probably the only position you can rule me out of. I'm going to be on the right <laughs> side more than likely, but I'm open to moving to left tackle if need be. Um, so can we stop with the Jesse Davis to center talk because it's not happening. Yes. It was more of a, it was a more of a ruse on Omar Kelly's question than it was on the status of where Jesse Davis. You is hit playing. that one out of the park. Lobbed it for you. You ooped it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so you have to love that they addressed the O-line like they, like they did. It's 32nd overall. Um, and they did a complete overhauling. The only thing you can't love is there's a lot of question marks, right? There's a lot of young guys. Um, there's a, even the guys that we brought in flowers and, and Karis, they each have one year of good tape. Their tape before last year wasn't great. Um, you know, Karis wasn't a starter at center. He was more of a guard, more of a makeshift guard, um, in his career in new England, you know, he'd kind of pop in when they needed him, but he wasn't, he didn't win a spot outright. He only came in last year because their center went down. Um, he did play really well at center. Um, but in flowers, you know, he was moved to left guard after, probably being the worst left tackle in all of football in New York. So I like Flowers at at guard. I like Harris. I think they're obviously going to be better than they were last year, but there's going to be a lot of questions. And this, you know, Fitzpatrick talked about the beginning of the season is going to be sloppy and it's going to be sloppy our offensive line. You know, at best, we're only going to start four new guys. (laughs) Like Jesse Davis is quite possibly the only guy that will be playing this year that played last year regularly. Um, so there's a lot of questions. I, you know, I'm optimistic in the fact that I think they made the right moves. We'll see. Um, we won't see very soon though, because we don't get any preseason games. So, but like the other thing is to, you know, like if Austin Jackson didn't win the left tackle spot and there was a preseason and there was four preseason games, I'd be very worried. If Austin Jackson doesn't win the left tackle spot this year with no preseason, I won't be as worried. He just didn't have the reps. He didn't have the time. I expect those first three weeks to be like preseason games. Um, I also expect a lot of penalties out of this group the first couple weeks of the year. That's a good point. Uh, but I also expect great growth. Um, I am, I'm very interested in, in who's going to shake out. I think Dieter gets moved inside to center full-time, back up uh, Karras, and you know maybe next year is his year to shine. Um, but I think uh, you know the right guard spot, is going to be very interesting with, uh, you know, the position battle is let's assume Robert Hunt sticks at right tackle, like cross our fingers, please let him stay there. Um, you know, that right guard spot's going to be fought over pretty heavily between Jesse Davis, uh, Danny Isadora, you know, you got to think Dieter will try to get in there a little bit. 
um, Solomon Kidley, the fourth-round draft choice. So there's going to be four guys that are really fighting for that spot. Um, you know, outside of that, it, it's, it's pretty obvious who's going to make this team. I would think, you know, maybe we have one surprise or maybe we get a guy traded if, you know, a couple compete. But, um, you know, like obviously they're probably cutting Panky. They're probably cutting Sutherland. They're probably, you know, Danny Isadora is even a guy that we – he was a third round pick. We invested the draft capital in, but if he doesn't ball, you know, he's probably going to be the odd guy out. I will be interested to see if they keep an extra O lineman and maybe cut back on wide receiver because this is going to be a susceptible, you know, like COVID, we can't ignore that. The people that are more susceptible than any other people are the 300 pound guys, you know? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep an extra guy expecting that to happen. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how this, how this shakes out. I, I would just say withhold judgment. <laughs> it's going to be sloppy the first couple of weeks. So, and as it should be, it's a break, four new starters, two rookies. It's, it's a recipe for um, sloppy play, but if they improve, you know, and thank God we have the 16 year vet quarterback taking the initial yeah. snap. So to make up for these guys, the mistakes they will make. Well said. Uh, the offensive line is a work in progress. I will say one thing that I would love to hear, you know, if there's practicing and there's after practice work, you made a great point, Roy, about Michael Dieter, about how he can maybe be centered, be transitioned inside. I would love for Fitzpatrick and Karras to after practice, take Tua and Dieter and say, we're just doing a hundred snaps right now. Put the pads down, put the helmet down, 100 snaps, do dropbacks or something to that nature. Because Harris, he doesn't have to necessarily be on the field for 16 games, 100 snaps per game, whatever the case may be, for his value to be a coach on the field, a coach on the sidelines. So the offensive line, work in progress. Um, I know, uh, you know, we have other areas to touch on. We, we want to keep this a little bit, you know, under that time restraint. So, Doug, is there any other offensive line talk? Because the rest of the position on offense, more cut and dry, but offensive line, there's that concern to spend another moment on if there's need be. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Brian said a ton of things that I agree with 100%. You know, we have a lot of young guys. Offensive line is the number one position right now that worries me because it's that important. You don't have a good offensive line. We have 2019 all over again with, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did come out and say you can bet he won't be the leading rusher. But if there's no holes and all of a sudden quarterback scrambles is going to be your leading rusher. Um, it does worry me. Uh, I, I hope and pray that Austin Jackson just shows how big and physical this kid is. He's raw talent, but just the physicality of him is great. Um, I love the addition. My, you know, my pred prediction for the offensive line is Austin Jackson, left tackle, Eric Flowers, left guard, Ted Karras center. I have Jesse Davis at right guard and um, Hunt at right tackle. Jesse Davis did say that he was mostly worrying about the right tackle, right guard position. Like Brian said, they threw him over on the left a little bit. And also like Brian said, they didn't have enough centers. Relax. <laughs> it's just, he literally said it. He's like, Oh, we didn't have enough centers. So I just, you know, did a few things at center. My Twitter blew up when that happened. Dude, Jesse Davis at center? I'm like, no, man, just stop. He's on the right side of the ball. Just stop. But it, <laughs> it does worry me because Jesse Davis, that's the only guy coming back from last year who's going to be the starter. You know, you got Solomon Kinley. He's a potential to battle for that right guard position. But if Dieter was good enough to be the starter this year, they wouldn't have brought in as many offensive linemen, and he would have played better last year. Um but yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, the, the offensive line, it needs a lot of work. The, the one thing that is different about the defense and the offense is the guys that are carried over from the defense last year, it's going to be the same defense because all we did was take the secondary coach and make him the defensive coordinator. And players have said that the secondary coach had more of a voice than Patrick Graham did. So the mm -hmm. defense is going to be the same. It's the offense that's going to be different with Chan Gailey. So even the carryovers are going to have to learn a little bit more. And one last thing I'm going to say, you brought up Adam Pankey as being cut. I also thought he's going to be cut. I tweeted it out and Adam Pankey liked my tweet and I felt like a complete douche after he liked my tweet saying that he's going to be cut. I don't know how he found me, but uh, I feel horrible. So if he's listening to this again for the third time, Adam, I hope you make the team. <laughs> Hey, you know what, as the mayor, that was extremely diplomatic. <laughs> you went one way and you kept both sides happy. I mean, I love it. 
Now, good talk, guys, on the offensive line. The skill positions, you know, to wrap really up, you know, the early, early summer building the roster. And we're going to do this again in, in, the, in the coming weeks and, and check to see how we do. But there's, by my count, four receivers, five receivers fighting for one last receiver spot. There's one running back who is in dire straits of making this team. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get found by this gentleman on Twitter. But uh, so Kalen Balazs is the running back. But uh, other than wide receivers that we know, Mr. Jennings, Mr. Mac Hollins, you know, Isaiah Ford, rookies Merritt and Matt Cole, who those two could be special team contenders, but that's a, a sidebar. Brian, we'll start with you. How do you just – is skill positions, you know, what do you see that is not really out there, but it's kind of really – it's out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly locked down. As you said, like running back, we know Howard and Breida are going to be one-two punch. We know they're on this team. Uh, and then we have, you know, three guys fighting it out. I don't really think it's a fight. If you look at the tape last year, Laird and Gaskin completely outperformed Vablage in every aspect, catching, blocking, and running. Uh, I think he's – he did well in camp last year, and it got him snaps over Drake, so he has to bring that – that again but they're also going to be reluctant on that because it was fool's gold last year um I, I just don't see him breaking through the only interesting thing to me on running back is really going to be uh Chandler Cox you know we drafted this kid last year I love the addition of a fullback in in uh the New England style offense a fullback is very important Chan Gailey he usually has one but it's not as important and you know as you may know Elandon Roberts the, the linebacker we picked up at a New England, he took over for fullback last year in New England. So he can give them that flexibility if they absolutely need one. But most spread offenses don't line up with a fullback very often. I like Cox. I hope he makes it. Um, we'll see what happens there. But I, I think the running backs are pretty locked in. And it's also going to stay fluid. You know, if there's a guy that, that there's another team that has a stacked backfield, I don't see any of our bottom three being safe. You know, a, another guy could come in from another – practice squad and, and probably unseat Laird, Gaskin, or Balazs. The wide receiver is a little a little interesting, but mostly locked down. Um, I feel like you have Hearns in, and I got I got way worse killed on Twitter over my Jacreen Grant take than you did by Adam Pankey. Um, <laughs> but I, I got to say that I think that Grant is a little bit susceptible. Um, he's going to need to show that wide receiver skill. Um, he couldn't handle punt returns. So we paid this guy a lot of money last year um, and he got punt returns completely taken off of his, his plate. Um, you know, I don't see him, I don't see him unseating Preston Williams, uh, Albert Wilson and Devonte Parker as wide receivers. So like, how do we justify, you know, like I think the start of camp, he'd be behind Alan Hearns probably as our fifth wide receiver. So how do you justify $5 million to a guy just to return kicks when you have Kirk Merrick behind him, when you have Cole behind him, we drafted Jones, who is a great kick returner, um, the safety. So that's going to be interesting to see if that shapes out. I root for Jakeen Grant because I absolutely love him. Like just like Bobby McCain, you want 53 Jakeen Grants on your team. He's a team player. He gives it his all. He's, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, like he doesn't have an off season. He's, I think he's running to the refrigerator and like, sprint mode, <laughs> you know, so you want him, but it's going to be tough. And that last spot is going to be very interesting. Isaiah Ford showed he was an NFL caliber wide receiver. Uh, Jennings from Vin Virginia tech, you know, taken from Seattle. He only, he played all last year on the IR he came over for like one snap and he got injured in a celebration, but he was very talented. Uh, and then we, you know, I'm very intrigued by Kirk Merritt. I would put money that this kid's going to make this team. Um, but I, it's hard because because of Ford, because of Grant, because of Jennings. It's going to be a – it's so we always – this is a spot, right? We always talk about the six-wide receiver. This time of year, we talk about the six-wide receiver ad nauseum, and then we don't say his name until, like, week 12 <laughs> when, like, two guys are on the IRR. Even if it's him, because it's usually not even the guy. He usually went to the practice squad, got picked up. We picked up another guy in there as our six-wide receiver. So we'll see how this shakes out. I'm rooting for Kirk Merritt. But, you know, our, our top three guys are locked in. We have Williams, uh, Wilson, and um, Parker. You're going to see Gusecki 
line up at wide receiver in the spread offense a lot. Yep. Um, so those first four, those first three spots are locked down. The guys are, after that are looking for breadcrumbs, you know? Exactly right. And uh, we will get us all out of here with Doug's take on the overall, you know, skill positions. And if there's anything, uh, if you want to put your money on one of those last wide receivers to make this team, you know, we won't hold you to it. And we won't retweet it to the guys and tag them in Twitter to have them come find <laughs> I will take bets on merit. I will put cash money on merit, yeah. Rob, in this job, last job. I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah, definitely. This skill position, um, I'm very excited. You know, uh, Brian brought up some really good names, you know, Chandler Cox. I loved when they picked up Chandler Cox. I hope he makes the team, but, you know, new offense, Chan Gailey. We'll see what they do with that. Um, Alan Hearns is a guy that I got in trouble for, not from, by him personally, but by my subscribers, because I said that if Kirk Merritt is equal to skill set and equal to production as an Alan Hearns, we actually saved $2 million by cutting Alan Hearns because his dead cap's only $800,000. I Nothing see that happening. That. You, you know, if it's the same player, you're going to go with the younger guy you're going to have for longer, for cheaper yeah. versus Alan Hearns. So I, I don't be surprised if Alan Hearns gets cut to make room for Kirk Merritt to make the team because I also think – I think Kirk Merritt and Matt Cole are both going to make the team. I personally think that. Also, we can't forget about the Swiss Army knife, Malcolm uh, Perry – the seventh round pick oh yes thank you the seventh round pick gonna come come in here do his thing he's he's gonna be all over the place wide receivers you know is he gonna do things at quarterback you know bouncing all over uh but when you look at the 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 special position and all these like wide receivers tight ends and stuff the one position that always worried me and it still worries me is tight end besides Gazicki, we got no one you know, we pick up Adam Sheehan for a seventh round conditional pick. That's essentially what we got for Charles Harris. So technically it's not even our pick. It's the Falcons pick. Um, but other than that, it's like, eh, you know, Smythe yeah. is a good run blocking, can potentially catch, but he's no Anthony Fasano. Um, and then you got, you know, Mayrick who, eh, and then we have a defensive end that we transferred to tight end. If Gaziki gets hurt, Oh God, is it going to be bad? So I think you know, looking at the the team, the the special specialty positions as a whole, wide receiver is super deep, super deep, and I could see them bringing a good like five six with them, especially because they run a base three wide receiver set. R running backs, we talked about it. Howard, Brita, uh, I don't see Balaj making the team, but again, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, Gaskins. I'll fight with you, man. <laughs> I'm on that hill with you. Gaskins and Laird, those could be their four running backs. It's just tight end. It's like, we got Gaskins. Great. I love him. It was one of the top the tight ends towards the end of the season when it came to receptions and targets. And then you got the rest of the roster of tight ends. And it's like, uh, Sheehan, if he could stay healthy, I think that's the one-two punch we'll have there. Because Sheehan right. is like, they call him a baby Gronk, which I hate because I don't like Gronk. Uh, <laughs> so let's call him a baby Sheehan. Let's call him a Sheehan, you know. He we, want, do his thing. we want one Sheehan, not the next Gronk. Exactly. Uh, but that's the only, you know, it's super deep. And it's the, I think, honestly, and when it comes to wide receiver, that is the camp battle to watch because there's so much talent there. Somebody that's, that the fans like, Alan Hearns, Jakeem Grant, they're going to get cut. And it's going to piss off a lot of people. But, yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited for th these three different positions. It's camp, it's the summer, it's weird with COVID, but it's, it's great. I hope everything is, is really just healthy with you guys and family. And of course, you know, you're taking time out. We're taping this on Sunday, uh, you know, so we're gonna air this in the middle of the week. So uh, if anything does happen, please uh, blow up our mentions accordingly. But this was taped on <laughs> Sunday. And of course, Doug, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, if there's anything that you can just finalizing and uh, letting yourself, uh, letting the folks know where to find your work, what's cooking in your world? Always a pleasure coming on. Love chatting with you guys. It's always fun. Um, Dougly Durong, youtube.com slash Dougly Durong. If you need to find me anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, my PlayStation Network, uh, Xbox, anywhere. Dougly Durong. It's a very unique name, so I was able to get it on everything. So if you need to find me anywhere, it's Dougly Durong. Um, I'm super excited for this team. It has a ton of promise. My saying on my channel, I'd rather be surprised than let down. So a lot of people want to know, hey, Doug, what do you think about the team? 
cautiously optimistic because it hurts when you ha have high expectations and they don't meet it. So I'm very, very excited for this team. Ton of young promise. Sky's the limit for this team. Love it. And cautiously optimistic is a tattoo that I have in the back of my neck in orange and aqua. Anyway, Brian, you are, uh, you know, always on Twitter, really just uh, uniting the community. So if there's anything you could let us know with what you're working on and what's going on in the Fanatics Network, the floor is yours. Yeah, not too much. We are finalizing our last few spots in our Fanatics Network Fantasy Football League. So if you aren't in a Fantasy Football League, the idea behind this was inclusion. So hit me up. We'll get you in those last couple spots. And then, you know, we have the Fanatics uh, Miami Dolphins podcast. They, they drop every Thursday. We have a really great guest this week um, with Lindsay OK. So look for that. It should be uh, as she as she moves the needle. It should be at least controversial a little bit. So that should be fun. Um, yeah. And just check out the Fanatics Network. We always have stuff going on. Love it. And uh, again, thank you guys for Dougley Do Wrong on YouTube, for Brian Burns all over Twitter. My name is Jason Sarney. Thanks for joining the deep dive. Have a good one, everybody.